Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I'm Michelle, a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. I say recovered um, because I follow more than 100 men and women in this book who have recovered. And over and over and over again, it tells us in the big book that we can recover if we work this program. And I didn't hear that for many years. Um, I'm five years and ten months uh, perfectly abstinent with an 85-pound weight loss. I'll pass around my pictures. I love that we're in a 12-step program that has pictures. I just think that rocks. I think that's the best because the picture says more than a 1,000 words. Although it took me even years, I probably was down 60 pounds before I stopped saying, do I look the same? Do I still look the same? At 256.6 pounds. That's what I weighed when I came in, 256.6 pounds. And I knew that that was the last number that I was going to see on that scale. I knew I was done when I saw that number. Um, I was insulin resistant, pre-diabetic. They wanted to put me on medication. I, was, I had high blood pressure. My blood pressure was um, managed with medication. Uh, top size at Lane Bryant and, you know, 24, 26 tops and, and having anxiety because I didn't know if there was another store after Lane Bryant. What do I do when these tops stop fitting? Um, my knees were creaking, you know, with the support of my 256-pound body, and I was, um, you know, stopped fitting in movie theater seats, you know, would sit like this, and would have anxiety when I went to a restaurant with my husband, and they would lead us to the booth, and I would start to think, is that one of the booths that stuck to the ground, you know, that he won't be able to lovingly nudge out and pretend like it just happened to be more towards my side than his when really I just couldn't fit in the booth anymore. Um, airplanes, you know, even if I used my miles and upgraded to first, some of those airplane seatbelts stopped fitting. And I was way too proud to ask for a seatbelt extension. I'd never asked for a seatbelt extension. Instead, I would pretend my seatbelt was buckled, put the blanket on my belly, and, you know, pretend I was good even though I wasn't uh, safely buckled in. And, and you know what? I don't regret any of it, not one minute of it, not one second of it, because today I can say that all of it got me here. It was all incredibly important relevant and valuable to where I am today at 41 years old with 85 pounds off my body and a healthy body weight. And beyond that, that's just an oh, by the way, that 85 pounds. Because today, I'm so happy. That's the weird thing. I came in, I thought I just needed to lose weight, really. And then when anybody started to talk about anything besides weight loss, I was kind of irritated. Just give me the diet. How do I lose weight? I don't care about all that stuff. My life is good. I really thought my life was fine. I was even going to get that lap band surgery. You know, I went, I went, went and had the whole consultation with the doctor, blah, 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 and get the lap band. And after you spend $20,000 and you're in the hospital and you have to fast for, I don't know, two weeks before, fast for two weeks after, I'm like, I'll lose 100 pounds just by doing that. And... Um, 
And then he said the magic words to me. He says, well, so after we do all this surgery and after you're recovering and when you have this little tiny hole to slip with the food to slip through, if you eat small bites of fatty food, it, the surgery won't work. And I said, small bites of fatty food like potato chips? And he said, oh, yeah, there's no surgery that can be potato chips. And I was like, I'm screwed. Like, here, I'm ready to do this, and I just figured out how to eat around it. Thank goodness I figured out how to eat around it before I did it, because I just would have figured out how to eat around it after I did it, because the problem wasn't in my body. The problem was in my mind. I had an emotional problem. I had a thought problem. And so the first thing that I learned to do was put the plug in the jug. That's why I have a perfect abstinence. I, I was taught to have a perfect abstinence with an imperfect food plan. Perfect abs- an abstinence is our primary purpose. A food plan is a tool. They're two different things. Our abstinence is our primary purpose. Food plan is the tool. So my abstinence is perfect. Three meals and up to two snacks a day and nothing in between. My food plan in five years and ten months, I've been on many different food plans. I have a very efficient body. After about a year, it adapts very well to whatever food plan I'm doing. And so I change it up a little, and then I do it again. And then I pick up the exercise. And what I eat today, I had no idea that I could live on the things that I eat today and be happy about it. It doesn't even matter. And I can say today that I've recovered because I don't use food to cover my feelings. I don't use food to to numb myself. What I didn't know, probably one of the most profound things that I learned in this program is that I'm not a victim of my feelings. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know that for four years of my five years and ten months. And I, what I do know is that when I put down the food, I felt prickly. I felt. I felt. And I was like, what is this? What's going on? Why am I feeling things? What's all this feeling crap about? I don't want to do this. If this is what abstinence is about, I'm out. I don't want to do this. This doesn't feel good. I remember even being two years in and my sponsor asked me to, to carry around a little notebook and write down my feelings, right? When you have a feeling, write it down. Write down what it was. I was two years in and I carried that little notebook around and I couldn't write anything down. I was feeling or not. That was as far as I could get. I was feeling or not, but I couldn't even identify them. Someone even faxed me one of those little things that you get from the therapy offices that's on the wall that says happy, sad, disappointed, you know, so I could try to identify because I didn't know them because I spent my whole life making sure I didn't feel them. That was the objective, and it was relevant. It was important. Whatever it was I needed to do to get through my childhood, right? But one of the things that I learned when I came in here is I don't, so once I get to those feelings, then I'm not, I'm not a victim of them anymore. They're just my indicators. They're my indicators of my alignment. They're the communication from my higher self to me, from my God to me, that tell me whether or not I'm in alignment. Like, I've heard the analogy of, um, you know, those bumps in the lane when you're driving down the road, right, that tell you if you're out of the lane. Right? Out of the lane, out of the lane. So all of a sudden, if my husband and kids go off to, my husband goes to take my kids off to school, and I think the thought, oh, my God, they're going to die. Right? They're going to get in a car accident, change the day, I know it. And, and then I'm gonna, they're all going to die, and I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be a bad lady on it, right? And, and I, feel, ugh, I feel that pain. That's because God's here, and I just went over here. I just departed from my higher self, and that's the pain. That's the pain. And I didn't know that before because I numbed it. I just made sure I didn't feel it, so I certainly couldn't be aware of it. I unplugged my own guidance system with my food. My food, you know, people say I have a food problem, and I say I didn't have a food problem. I had a food solution. 
Food was my solution. My problem was how to live. And, you know, when I first came in here, I was, I believed that the addicts were the flawed, broken, defective sect of society, not just the overeaters, but all the addicts. And since I've come to realize and see and learn as I connect with the other human beings in this program and, and see who you really are and see who I really am, um, we're the seekers. We're the seekers. We're the ones that were born with such an insatiable desire to be connected that when we're not, we can't bear the pain. And that's why we use and then we have these 12 steps. We have a clear-cut direction on how to get that connection. One of my favorite definitions that I've heard for a spiritual awakening, the spiritual awakening is a recognition of one's broader self. That doesn't mean I'm here to fix me. I'm not broken and defective. I'm here to discover who I really am. One of my favorite stories is a story about... Um, Michelangelo, and they say that when Michelangelo was asked how he created his sculptures, you know, David and the Pieta and whatnot, his reply was that he didn't create them. God created them, and they exist in the blocks of marble. And it was his job just to clear away the excess marble so the statues could emerge. And I believe that's what we're doing in this program. I believe the steps clear away the excess fear. And for those of us that are overweight, the excess fat, so who we really are can emerge. It's not about fixing broken people. It's about discovering us. It's about the spiritual awakening. It's about waking up. When it says, you know, if you want what we have and are prepared to go to any lengths to get it, well, what is it we have? What's the thing we have that the newcomer wants? It's the light. It's the light in our eyes. It's the awareness. It's the alignment with our higher selves. We're awake. That's what we really are. So my feelings, my feelings, my feelings, right? My feelings, my feelings are my indicators, my indicators of my thoughts. And I learned that I can choose my thoughts. No one else thinks my thoughts for me. I think that was revolutionary. I always thought I was a victim of my feelings, and I always thought I was a victim of my thoughts. When this happens, I think this, and this happens, and I think this, and this happens, and I think this. That's just a habit. That's just the thing that I've always done. There's nobody in my mind thinking my thoughts for me but me. And so I can choose different thoughts. If I think a thought and I feel pain, that's God going, you're not in a line. That's not in alignment. When I think a thought that's self-deprecating, when I think I'm a piece of shit, when I think that I'm not good enough, when I think that you're not good enough, when, I am, am making, when I'm thinking from my ego, when I'm thinking I need more, I want more, or when I'm thinking I'm separate from you and that doesn't feel good, that's God saying, that's not where I am, Michelle. And I can feel my way back. I can feel my way back into alignment. I can choose thoughts. The quickest way that i found to get from, from out of alignment into alignment is appreciation. That's why so much of our program and so many of our tools talk about gratitude. Because as soon as I'm appreciating you, as soon as I look at you and I can appreciate you, as soon as I can appreciate this room, as soon as I can appreciate my body, as soon as I can appreciate my life or the stars or the clouds or, or any aspect that I can put my attention on, I line up. Because that's where God is. God is there. God is in this moment. One of my favorite analogies that I heard is, you know, because it's present, it's awareness. 
It's being right here, right now, you know. And I always try to remember the, um, you know, in the mall, there's the, the map, and there's that big arrow. It says, you are here, right? You are here. Here we are. And only when I'm here can I feel my full connection to God. Anytime I leave, anytime I go to tomorrow or yesterday, I depart. God's only in the present. God is only in the present. Um, so these steps, right? So, okay, I put the plug in the jug, I stop overeating, I stop turning to the food, and then I get to work these steps. And step one, when I first came in, I was kind of annoyed at step one because I wasn't taught to believe that I was powerless over things. And I came in and I said to my sponsor, I'm not powerless. And he said, that's not what the step says. I said, yeah, it does. The step says I'm powerless. He said, no, it doesn't. The step says we, we admitted we were, past tense, powerless. You are not powerless. We were powerless. Powerless people can't work the steps. We were powerless. And then he told me powerless equals godless because God is all power. So if I'm powerless, I'm godless. So step one means we admitted we were, past tense, godless when it came to food and that our lives had become unmanageable. But, the, but as soon as I know that, as soon as I recognize that, as soon as I work these steps, I find the power. That's what it gives me. Do you know in the first 164 pages of the big book, it only uses the word powerless in the description of the first step. That's the only time it uses the word powerless. 66 other times it says power. Why? Because the main purpose of this book is to give us the power which will solve our problem. That's what it tells us in the big book. It says lack of power. That was our dilemma. But we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. So this book, these steps are designed for us to plug into the power. And then, and I swear to you, it, I only found this like when we, did, when we brought the Back to Basics, um, the Back to Basics workshop to the San Fernando, uh, San Fernando Valley Intergroup, and Wally P. highlighted this part that I loved on page 55 of the big book. Because it's like, okay, where's the power, right? I get it. I'm here to plug into the power. The main purpose of this book is to give me the power. Where's the power? Is the power in my sponsors? The power in you? Is the power in the... But where's the power? And it says right here on page 55, it says, we found the great reality, and great reality is capitalized. And you know, anytime in the big book they put stuff in caps, they mean God, right? We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. It's like, oh my goodness, there we go again. I'm running around looking for the power, and it's right here. And it's right here. And that's why the spiritual awakening gives us the recovery. Because we get to uncover all the layers of the stuff and find who we really are. We get to plug into the power. So step one is we admitted we were, past tense, powerless. And that our lives have become unmanageable. Two is, okay, I believe. If you believe it, then I'll stick around and maybe it will happen for me. I learned to believe. Step three is about alignment. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives. What's our will? Our thoughts. And our lives are our actions. Our will and our lives. Our thoughts and our actions. Our thoughts and our actions over to the care of God. It means I put it into alignment. Take my thoughts and my actions and I go, are they, where are they? Are they lined up? How do I know if they're lined up? How do I feel? How do I feel? If I'm thinking thoughts and I'm doing actions that are feeling good, feeling good, feeling like they're with God, 
then I'm in alignment. Then I've done my step three. Step four was a tough one for me because I thought I had a couple sponsees that were a few years in and they were really struggling with step four. That was actually the inspiration why we went out and, and sought the back to basics, uh, which was how the early founders of, uh, you know, of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, used to do their beginners meetings. They would have all 12 steps in four one-hour meetings. They used to they used to take their people through the program when they were detoxing in the hospital, all 12 steps in three days. And so, I don't know about you, but where I come from, you know, we're years and years and years in, and we're like still hanging around on step four and hanging around and talking about it and writing it and some more questions and let's figure out how bad and wrong and flawed and broken I am. And it's like, no. That's not the purpose of four. The purpose of four, which we discovered in Back to Basics, was that, you know, it's right and wrong. It's a moral inventory. The word moral means right and wrong. We make a list of the things that we've done that are in alignment and the things that we've done that are out of alignment. And we make the list so we can go, oh, right, when I do this stuff, I'm lined up with my ego or my disease. When I do this stuff, I'm lined up with God. And so let's do, and then sit, right, Six and seven is all about, I want more of this stuff and less of this stuff. It's not about pounding me. It's not about whipping me and, and try to reinforce how often I've been out of alignment. That's not the point of four. The point of four is to take an inventory, to go, right, look at the patterns of my life. They're totally patterns, right? You'll see it over and over and over and over again. And then step five, you know, sharing it with someone else is i found the ability to flip those things, to take those things that are in step four that I think are so horrible and, and, and shameful and find the value in them, not just accept them, not just like, okay, yeah, fine, I did that, but that happened to me, right? I can accept it, but it goes deeper than that. I want to appreciate it. I want to understand, like I can today, why it was really, really relevant for me to be 256 pounds. I know today beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I was not there, I could not be here. And if I was not there, then I could not be here and I could not be living a life beyond my wildest dreams. I live these promises. I care about other people. I care about my alignment. If I'm out of alignment, it's like minutes now that I can tolerate it. It's minutes. It's, it, it, it was years. <laughs> my whole life, mostly, that I was out of alignment, you know, and then it was uh, months, and then it was weeks, and now it's like, literally, I just, I went to pick my son up from school the other day, and both my son and my husband forgot to tell me that he didn't need to get picked up from school that day because he was staying after, after I sat in the pickup line for 30 minutes, and I got so irritated because it was so disrespectful of my time, and then I thought, the next thought was, okay, so how long are you going to be disconnected over this? And then my next thought was, well, a couple more minutes. <laughs> and then that was pretty much the end of it because it's my choice because I get to choose what I think about. I get to choose what I think about. So it's like, you know, how many times am I going to, you know, stay there? It's my choice. Once I have the power... Once I have the power back in my life, I'm not a victim of anything. If someone takes me out of my connection, that's me. You know, it tells us in the AA 12 and 12, right, on step 10, the spiritual axiom. If there's a person, place, or thing, or situation that's, you know, bothering me, it's always me. It's always me. And so that's one of the things I've learned through these 12 steps is to live my life with a mirror instead of a magnifying glass. A mirror instead of a magnifying glass. And when I was in the parking lot 
um, you know, and some crazy woman started yelling at me out of nowhere about a parking spot. I so wasn't doing anything wrong. And I was just sitting in my little car with my blinker on, doing all the right things, and she was a crazy lady. And my first, you know, couple minutes were, she's crazy, why did that happen to me? You know, I go back to the victim thing again immediately, and then I, and, and I know better. And I know better. And crazy ladies don't just trip up upon people in a parking lot unless I have something that I'm activating in that. You know what? She's me. I'm a nutty driver. I'm a nutty driver. I tailgate, as my aunt points out to me. <laughs> you know, I cut people off. I drive too fast. I run yellow lights. It's like, oh, right, the crazy lady in the car. All right, you know, that's the mirror. That's me. That's the awareness that I get to live with today. And then I get my power back. That's the miracle. And so what? Um, <sighs> feelings, spiritual awakening. I have so many. My book is so marked up. Um, steps four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, eight and nine. I just finished, made one of my last nine-step uh, amends. I was just in Hawaii a couple weeks ago. And I had this thing on my list uh, from this park where I was kind of given a dolphin encounter and I didn't pay for it and got busted and the little ladies were chasing after me for the money and I was pretty mean. And Anyway, <laughs> I, it was kind of, a, you know, my sponsor had said when I, done my, when I did my 8-9, if you are in Hawaii again on Oahu, you can go back to this park and take care of it. And so we were in Hawaii and drove all the way out of the way, you know, Sea Life Park and went and asked for the manager and said, told him what I did. And, I, and he said, well, good for you. You know, you got a free dolphin encounter. And I said, no, nah, I really would like to pay for it. And he said, no, no, no. And I said, I really don't. And he said, no, not unless you go do another one. I said, no, I really don't want to do it. I just would like to, you know, pay for it. And he said, uh, he said, okay, but we're going to add another child to the Make-A-Wish group that comes for the dolphin encounters. And it's like, right, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. You know, you do those nine steps. You know, one of my, my sponsors used to call the, my nine step the, um, he used to call it the towel step because he, he was very excited about the fact that once I got to my step nine, I had a lot of hotels that I had to get in touch with because of my little towel problem. And, and I... And I literally took my notebook and I went into the, to my linen closet and then at this point also my laundry room because some now are rags and, and I tried to figure out what towels I took from what hotels over my lifetime. It was a lot of towels and a lot of very nice hotels. And then I figured out how much was a bath sheet waffle weave, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote these letters to all these hotels and there were hotels all over the world. There were some in Italy. There were some, a lot of, in the United States and one that was in New York, the ownership now is in Japan. And so I sent all these letters with all these checks. This is just so funny. And so the, the, um, the hotels in the United States, every single one of them sent the check back and said, um, and they were nice hotels, you know, and, and they said, thank you very much. And, you know, the letter and the check back, and we hope to see you again. Thank you for your honesty. We hope to see you again. The uh, hotel in Italy, in Positano, sent me um, a letter back and said, thank you so much, and we're going to take your check and, and donate it to the local Red Cross. And the um, hotel in Japan said, thanks for the check. <laughs> and, th and that was the truth. And so, and so there are miracles. <laughs> 
There are miracles that happen when we work these steps. And then step 10, step 10 I hardly even have to do anymore. Step 10 really is like I get to go through my day and think, right? Was there anything that's irritating me? Is there anything that's tweaking on me? Is there anything, is there any way that I talk to someone that I don't like? You know, I was just at a workshop over the weekend, you know, and, and this, the leader said something that I loved. He said, would you rather be right or kind? Now, I'd heard right or happy before, but I didn't hear right or kind. And it's like kind, right? Yeah, you know, I'd rather be kind. I'd rather be kind. And that's kind of the measurement for step 10, right? Step 10, again, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So it's like, okay, was I good? Was I good? Was I good for my husband? Kind and loving towards all. Kind of go down the list. Step 11, I'm up to 15 timed minutes in my meditation in the morning. That's forever. That is forever 15 time minutes. When I came in here, it was two. It was two minutes, and that was the deal. You know, my recovery quotient, when I came in here, I should say this too, is that I did 90 meetings in 90 days. And you know what? I live in the middle of Malibu Canyon. I ran a company. I had four employees, two artists that I managed, two kids, two stepkids, five dogs. I didn't have five minutes in a week extra. And when my sponsor said I had to do 90 meetings in 90 days, and I live in Malibu Canyon, so the closest meeting is like 40 minutes away from me. Right? And he said, yeah, so it's, not, it's not possible. And then he said, well, then you'll die. And I was like, all right, fine. And there were some Sundays I'd go to the 7.30, I'd go to the 9, I'd go to the 10, I'd come over the hill and go to the 12, I'd go back over and go to the 5, because I knew I was going to be on the road that week, and I would just stack them up. I'd do four or five meetings on a Sunday, because I had to do, I had to prepare, be prepared to go to any length, to go to any length. So I do my 90 meetings in 90 days. Every morning I read, write, pray, and meditate. And you know what, five years, ten months in, I sometimes think if I travel, if I go to Europe or something, that I don't have to read, write, pray, meditate every day because I'm busy, you know, because we've got a lot of stuff on the itinerary and because everybody's up and going and because my time zone is off. And I get about, I get about a three or four day reprieve before something funny gets on my plate. And I'm so grateful that I get five opportunities with three meals and two snacks to see if I'm out of alignment. Like alcoholics, they don't get that like daily. Like if they're, I know what something funny on my plate looks like, right? So like it could be this dressing versus this dressing. It could be this, you know, just the things that are my normal stuff, my chicken and my salad or something else. The skin on, the skin on, the little things, right, that I know if I'm in alignment or I'm not in alignment. I get five times a day to really see if I'm in alignment. Because if I'm eating in my food plan and I'm eating what I planned, I'm locked in, right? If all of a sudden I really think it's a good idea for whatever, nuts, today, and that wasn't my plan, what's going on? What's up? You know, I say it's my sponsees, right? When they all of a sudden they'll swap out a veggie burger for a bowl of cereal. What, what's going on? Right? Is there something up? Oh, right. Were you feeling something? Yes. You know, and then we get to get to the causes and conditions. So we get that daily thing. You know, my great-granddaddy sponsor says, you know, you overeat, he's not an OA. And he says, you overeaters are really lucky. He says, you get, you get to eat, you get to drink alcohol, and you get the big book and the 12 steps. So that's not really fair, you know. <laughs> we get to, you know, use our addiction. We get to use his addiction. And we get to use the big book and the 12 steps. So we're pretty rocking. Um, <laughs> 
So step 11, right, conscious contact. And you know what? Maintain, grow, perfect, and enlarge my spiritual condition. I do so much now. I go to workshops. I read books. I listen to CDs. I go to book studies. There's so much more that I do to maintain, grow, perfect, and enlarge. The stuff that, you know, gave me relief before is not the stuff that gives me relief today. You know, the stuff that would give me the, I need more. It's more. I'm evolved. It's supposed to be more. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be more evolved, and I am. And then step 12, you know, I love it. I think it's the first sentence of, um, in the 12 and 12, it says the the joy of living is the theme of the 12th step. It's the joy. You know, we are not a glum lot, right? We're in here happy, joyous, and free. That's the point. If newcomers come in here and they see people, you know, bitching and moaning after five, ten years of working their butt off in the program, why would they stick around? If we're not plugged in, if we're not tapped into the power, if we're not loving our lives, you know, if we're not in alignment, if we're not aware and present, why do all the work? What's the point? There's diets. You can go do a diet, right? I mean, like my aunt says all the time, the difference between a diet and, and uh, OA is, you know, 12 steps, 8 tools, God and each other. You know, that's, and that's what we have. It's not just a, it's just a food plan. And so, um, I don't know, I can't really think of anything else to say. And so I'll open the meeting up for questions if that's cool, right? We have about five more minutes for that. Great, and thank you. <laughs> So come on, you gotta ask me some questions. <laughs> God is my program. God's everywhere in my program. It's all about everything. It's about finding my connection to God. And it's like, and I thought I used to think that I would get connected and stay connected, and then I would get mad at myself when I got disconnected. And what I learned through my step eleven is that that's the evolution. Is that we're connected, we're aligned with God, I am, and then something happens and I come out. And then I realize I'm out, and then I find my way back. And then I realize I'm out. And so my growth is how long do I stay out. And, I, and now I know exactly how to get back. It's all about God. It's all about God. Oh, my relationships are just... Um, you know, I have, I'm married. My husband and I just celebrated 15 years married, and we've been together since I was eight. So 23 years we've been together. And he's um, in his own program. And um, I, there's no way we would have been able to ebb and flow and grow and evolve uh, with each other if it wasn't for our respective programs. Uh, my kids are so rocking. Our daughter is 17, our son's 15, and and they're so beautiful and well-adjusted and aligned and self-sufficient. And it's because of, um, it's all because of this program. Because we have tools for living. We have a design for living that works. Yeah. How did you cope when people were negative about the change of yourself and your recovery? Um, you know, there's some relationships that didn't, that didn't move on with me. And, and that's maybe what I think you mean. So, you know, a couple of my closest friends are not so close anymore. And uh, I noticed it in particular, you know, there's some relationships that are really based on gossiping and talking about others and bitching and supporting each other's bitching. And, 
And uh, so when, when I stop doing that, I'm not as much fun, you know. And so, um, uh, you know what, I believe that, uh, and, and that, and it was painful. And I had to look at it and I had to trust that, you know what, if this person's still supposed to be in my life later, they will be, and we're just not a vibrational match, so to speak, right now. And it doesn't mean I don't love them, and it doesn't mean that we won't be able to be a match again in the future. But it was kind of hard for me because uh, I, I really dig longevity, loyalty, history, you know. So, But that's the extent of the negativity. I mean, the, the hard thing for me was when I first started to lose weight, and people would say, you look great, and I wanted to shrink. You know, I, don't li- I didn't like the way that felt. And, and then someone, a sponsor at the time, gave me a great uh, thing to say when people said, you look great. And, and then I said, well, should I say thank you? She goes, no, even better say, I feel great. And it's like, oh, right, that's a good one, right? Because then it's like, I'm affirming that I feel great, and I can kind of step into that, you know. Well, does that answer your question? Okay. okay. There's no foods on my official abstinence list, but there are a lot of foods I don't eat. That I don't, like if I, if I ate potato chips, I mean I haven't had a potato chip in five years and ten months. If I ate a potato chip, there would be something really so seriously, I can't even imagine what would have to happen in my life. Or I would have to be like stranded and to be the only thing that, that I could eat, you know, in the middle of the desert or I was going to die. You know, I can't even imagine how disconnected I would have to be to put something like that into my body at this time. Yes. Thank you so much. Can you talk about how you use your program um, when you have an area that you have a lot of fear around and how you use it to help you? Well, my, I mean, my favorite thing with fear, you know, is, oh, I just heard recently um, of this great analogy of fear. I used to think fear and faith were... Right, that faith was the antidote to fear. And actually what I learned was that there's no such thing as a lack of faith, that you either have faith in the fear or faith in God. Right? Faith in fear or faith in God. So these days fear is such a strong emotion, and I'm so aware of those feelings that when I feel fear, it's like bing, bing, bing. You know, it's like smacking me in the head that I'm so thinking things that are crazy that i got to get my butt back, and, and that's how I use this program. As I go, okay, reach for a thought that feels better. Reach for a thought that feels better. What, you know, but they're going to die. No, they're going to die. No, it's not, it's not true. It's not true. There's not anything that's, you know, oh, my God, look how pretty that wall is. Like, if I even just completely distract myself from the incessant, fearful thought, um, then I can find relief, and I can get back to my center and to my God. Thanks. Is there anybody else? Yes. How many meetings do you go to now? I probably go to three, I mean, I did 90-90, then I did five meetings a week probably up until this year, up until this fifth year. Maybe now I go to three, and then I do two book studies, other kinds of book studies that are two hours each on top of that. And I do a lot of workshops and retreats. I mean, we have like a whole 10 to 5 workshop we're going to tomorrow, another one the following Sunday. And so I am constantly working on my spiritual, on my spirituality, but OA meetings maybe three. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me share.